Comics. Chicago, you're listening to Around Comics, the comic culture podcast where we talk about, well, some things in and around the world of comics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian Salazar, you can call me Sal, and with me as always is my partner in crime, Mr. Christopher Niesman, and Mr. Tom Caters. Hey, how's it going? Hi, gentlemen. I, I'm hearing an echo. I think it's Chris. It's his speakers. Is it me? Yeah. All right. Do I need to get some headphones? I think you might. It's that it's that shoddy setup you got there, man. Not that I don't want to hear my own voice, but uh... speak. Just talk amongst yourselves for a couple minutes. Ooh. Did uh... Hey, how's it going, everyone? Well, you know, football season started. Football season is back to, to, you know, everything's fine now because of football. <laughs> there you go. How's that? I think it, yes, that's good. Better? Did that fix all the problems? I think so. Yes. Punks. Well, what can we say? There we go. Highest quality here at Around Comics. Hi, right. cheers, boys. Hello. Good morning. Good good evening to you. <laughs> good morning to you. Good morning. Mm-hmm. Ah, so it's been uh, it's been a couple weeks. We all uh, took our our Labor Day holiday there. Hope everyone had a good holiday and got yeah, all that... read up on all sorts of comics and had fun with their kids and puppies and all that stuff. Tom's Tom's on the mend. Yep. Hopefully, I'm feeling better. Feeling I'm better. feeling better. Yeah, you feeling yeah. all right? Yeah. I feel good. 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 Feel good. Good-ish. You look good. You oh. look good. You look strong. I look as good as I ever do. Yeah. Yeah. I think the beard has got a little extra body to it now. There's gonna be some gray in it by the time by the time this pandemic's over. <laughs> yeah, I can't sure. really grow my beard out because it's just like Santa Claus white at this point. This this is just, still a little bit of color left, but if I grow anything here, it's just white. It's, I'm surprised what? that I don't have more gray in my beard, but I, I only so, have like a little bit. Okay. We're gonna turn this into the old man podcast because the only hair I have is white and grows out of my nose and my ears. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's, that, let's dive into some. <laughs> Let's dive into some comics here. Uh, we have, uh, before I forget about it, um, Sal does have, uh, it, it's his pick for our book of the month, month-ish. And it's actually something, I, I got into it and it's like, I have read this before. Um, which is fine because I, I enjoyed it the first time. But um, I think Sal and I are getting a good reread. I don't know if Tom has read it. But it's uh, Mark Miller and Goran Parlov's uh, Starlight. I've not read it before. I'm about to I am I'm enjoying it. It's uh we will talk about it and a lot of uh John Carter from Mars. I'm, I believe I'm sure it's uh, we, uh... I, th- I believe it's going to be a Netflix uh series or show or movie Ooh. As, as well. Like everything else Mark Miller. 
It's, well, I mean, because he's, he's signed, he's signed to an exclusive with them, right, he, or some well, sort of. They kind of own him, or they own all of Starlight, I believe. All the things, <laughs> everything Netflix in owns brain. Mark Miller. All those crazy ideas. Yeah, I want to see some chrononauts. But uh, yeah, so so check out uh, check out Starlight. It's our uh, our current book of the monthish that we're uh, we're going to be chatting about. I would say probably next week. It's a pretty quick read. Uh, the first volume, I, I believe it is. It, it's the only volume. Yes, it was a six yes. issue series. Okay. It was, yes, so. it was uh, just just that. That's all he did of it. Um, I really enjoyed it the first time I read it. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to read it again. Uh, yeah, I think like if people, if people like Tom King's work on like uh, Mister Miracle and um, Strange Adventures, I think mm-hmm. they're good. They'll like this. Uh, sure, it has kind of that, you know, sort of reexamining uh, the the classic fantasy sci-fi white, uh, you know, Anglo-Saxon savior kind of character. If you were a Flash Gordon fan or John Carter yeah. from Mars, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, John Carter of Mars, um, yeah, it, it it puts a it puts a very Mark Miller twist on those. So yeah, it's fun. I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you gave me the opportunity uh, for the reread. So uh, we'll be talking about that. I would say probably next week mm-hmm. um, is my good. is my guess. So I uh, should give you plenty of time to. Uh, pick that up or hoopla it or whatever. So I think I actually got mine on, on. I've got a trade of it around in some box in the basement. Um, so it's. I was like, yeah, screw that. I'm just going to get it on hoopla. Uh, but uh, but we've got some other stuff. We've actually been. Uh, I know reading a lot of stuff. Do we want to jump in and start talking about the three jokers? Because I know that is a book <laughs> that the three of us, the three of us jokers, did uh, did read over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, sure. I think kind of on on Sal's recommendation. Yeah. Well, I said I had re- I read it. I, was, <laughs> I, I, did, I don't know if I recommended it necessarily. I thought it was kind of an interesting. Thing you know what I mean? Like I, I mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know if I necessarily like gave it high marks. It's interesting. It's I mean the art's really good. I thought and yes, you know uh, Jason Faber. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know uh, does a terrific job and and I don't you know I don't know that Johns is my favorite Batman writer. Um, yeah. as, as much as I like Jeff Johns, I, I and I think he's a terrific comic book writer and uh, um. I don't know. That I don't know if Jeff Johns is my favorite DC Black Label writer. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that too. Um, yeah, but this is you know it, it's an interesting idea of like I, I think what he's trying to do is is sort of make sense of the generational differences of the Jokers that we've seen over the years. You know, sort of mm-hmm. the. The, uh, the you know, well, there's three of them, but you know they're kind of from different eras of of not, you know notoriety for the Joker. You have you know kind of the the the, clown, the criminal Joker, the clown prince of crime kind of uh, TV show, you know Batman TV show kind of Joker. Um, then you have the the Alan Moore uh, rape and you know beat you over the head with a crowbar Joker, and then you have sort of more of a modern. He almost looks kind of like Jack Nicholson or uh, yeah. Dark, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Joaquin. Well, no, before him, Dark Knight <laughs> Returns. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Heath Ledger. Yeah, kind of. He looks like Heath Ledger. Yeah. I mean, like an older Heath Ledger. Uh, 
but it, I don't know where it's going. I don't quite understand it yet. I, I kind of read it that it's it's the Joker that has impacted like of the three characters. It's 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 Batman, Batgirl, and Jason Todd, and those are those are the the three characters that the Joker out of the Batverse has has probably you know uh, either killed or maimed, scarred or, or the had most, the biggest right? it's all, it all scarred the off most. with the scars, yeah. right? The wounds. Yeah. That don't heal, kind of thing. So he, yeah, the the characters that he's uh, scarred the most, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, you know, obviously, you know, Jason Todd has a, a bone to pick with him. No. Well, when somebody kills you, <laughs> I mean, I I was just thinking about this. Is now when did they bring Jason Todd back? This got to be. Been, over- I want to say it's probably what, six, seven years ago. Was the Red Hood stuff? I mean, we're getting old, so it was probably like 10 years ago. It's probably longer. I mean, has yeah, he now been alive longer than he was dead? Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Well, when did, the, when did they kill him? That was, was that back in the 90s? Late 80s, early 90s. I want to say it was, yeah. What was well, that, that silly, up. like, call call the 1-800 number and vote? You he know, first appeared uh, in Batman 357, March 1983. Death of the Family was uh, 1988, and then okay. He, was, okay. he was resurrected in 2005. God, so yeah, so 15 years ago, <laughs> he only he only was alive for five years, uh-huh. and as a character, and then he died and was dead for what is that? Uh, 88, 1705. So yeah, and then close. He's been back for 15, <laughs> so it's almost. Almost. It's yeah. getting there. It's getting well, he's more, he's, he's more I mean, interesting he's now than he was, you know, the first time around. We'll be back after a quick break. Do you ever wish you could sit in on a conversation with some of your favorite authors and listen to them talk about their writing process, their path to publication, and of course, their newest novels? Hi, I'm Marissa Meyer, best-selling author of The Lunar Chronicles, and I would love for you to check out the Happy Writer podcast where every week I talk with other writers about books, craft, inspiration, and how to bring a little more joy into our lives. The Happy Writer is available wherever you get your podcasts or find us on Instagram at Happy Writer Podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's... Yeah. Well, I'll get into what I think. Well, I mean, for 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 younger listeners out there, or people that that don't remember the the Jason Todd as Robin era, he was a character that was so unpopular that people actually phoned into DC and voted. Well, for him to wait a die. minute, wait a minute, wait. A minute. <laughs> I don't know that he was that. Un- was he that unpopular, or was it just they? They had a will they phone do it? In. Well, well, yeah. yeah, they gave me the choice. They gave yeah. you the choice. You could you could call in and you know it was a one eight hundred number and you could call in and you could vote to either have him die or have him live and and people more people called in to have him die but I mean as we've learned on the internet if you're ever in like a co op online game. And it's by vote. I know this by playing Red Dead Redemption 2 online, that the people that you're with will always vote to do the most horrible and heinous thing. Vote <laughs> yeah. oh, for chaos. Well, that's yeah. sort of the, you know, when it's fictional, like you get to live out the, the worst of your character. But it's like, Tom, you'd talked about this before. Like, 
polls are such bullshit because you know like who are the crazy people that an- actually answer polls like what kind of lunatics actually take the time the type of person that's going to call in is the type of person he wants to see him die yeah exactly so <laughs> like you know. otherwise he'd be like oh whatever i don't care. so it went on like to, to the mythology was that he was so hated as a character but i don't know was it like i didn't i don't know that i remember hating jason todd necessarily i don't I, the only batman that i read like before 1988 was like what year one and dark knight returns oh all right well you know i wasn't reading detective comics and he kind of wasn't much of anything well i think it's the the typical sort of like he replaced dick so of course people are not going to like him because he's not dick you know what i mean so it's like there's that sort of built into it but uh yeah, I don't know. And hey, we'll go on with what you what you were, you were your point though though was Tom. What, what were you? I mean, I just think it's. I I really enjoyed the art in this, mm-hmm. but there there's a part of me that and part of why I don't love Johns as like a Batman writer. But it's like it's this desire to focus on these the these stories. That are so. It just seems so strange to me that we've picked these very specific, like Batman stories that are like we must constantly revisit. Um, uh, you know the 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 Jason Todd getting killed by the Joker. Like I I can probably name three other storylines that were like this is all about Jason Todd being killed by the Joker, or like the uh, Barbara Gordon. You know like that. It's just so weird to me that there's these very specific set of stories from a very specific set of time when a specific set of people were fans. <laughs> that, that we get seemed... to, we get to see Martha Martha Wayne's pearls. Yeah, you know, that is still like, onto the alley. It just feels so like it almost Redundant. feels J.J. Abrams esque in that like <laughs> in, in the way that's the J.J. Abrams stuff that I kind of don't like, where it's just like toss everything in a bag. And like mix it up, and sometimes like something really cool comes out, and sometimes something that's like, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I've seen this, like, <laughs> like I, I, I've, I, you know, like I guess I just don't. <laughs> it's sort of like, here's the pitch. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be Jeff Johns, and I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting there pitching this to whoever he has to pitch it to. I don't know that he has yeah, to pitch it to. I don't know. Maybe he just pitched... hi, Jeff. This yeah, is Jeff. Yeah, let me it to himself. So he's sitting there in the mirror and he's going, "Okay, what's better than one Joker? <laughs> Three Jokers. Three of them. Why? So how do I tell this why? <laughs> Oh, okay. I guess we'll do three jokers. I guess three jokers. Yeah. Four's too but, many. We don't want four. That's too many jokers. Yeah, I, I mean, well, you have to have a sequel. Yeah, there's a fourth joke. Yeah, guys, there will be a fourth joker. We don't know. But we know there's going to be. We've opened the joker. door to this thing where now there's like three jokers. But yeah, and I mean, he's going to be a truck driver. I guess to me, I like read it and I was just like, ah, this just feels like. A bunch of stuff thrown together and like ah we mixed it up and like you know like what if there were multiple jokers and like it, it just felt like i don't know a lot of the stuff i don't love about john's kind of 
well, it's on a double, display it's, a little bit. It's a double-edged sword because I love I love the fact that Johns is such a comic book nerd. Yeah. That he totally. loves yeah. and respects the history of these characters, but it can also be a detriment because he's so obsessive about the history of these characters and sort of to me this feels like him trying to like answer the problems of continuity like (laughs) like a problem that no one was really that worried yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) nobody really cared that there were multiple jokers throughout yeah it's like whatever that look different you know it's like why does it need to be more than one guy that just happened to like look different it's it's yeah it's just weird that's complicated together yeah in yeah. in 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 like I don't know, and it had a lot of the stuff like spoiler, the spoiler alert, everyone cover your ears. But it's just like uh, you know, like a headshot to the Joker. It's just like I've seen this before. <laughs> like I've seen this exact panel with different characters before. Like this time, it's the joke. One of three Jokers, so it isn't yeah. even like. The well, it is the Joker I like the best, so maybe I should feel some sort of emotional attachment to it. But like, I found myself like, oh, this art is gorgeous in this story. <laughs> I'm just sort of like, oh, okay, like, I guess, like, how many issues is it going to be? Probably twelve. <laughs> <laughs> three. No, certain, certain. I'm I'm assuming three is my is my. My my guess, kind of my hope. Book one, uh, it doesn't. It is pretty though, isn't it? It's open-ended. It's it's gorgeous. It's very pretty. It's not. I. I. Is it? Is it? It's not. So what's 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 mentioned? Yeah, Jason. Is it Fabic? Jason Fabic. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's gorgeous. Did you guys get the cool the cool playing card with yours? I did not. I got it digitally. I couldn't find. I couldn't actually find a issue of it. I, I my both the stores that I went to were sold out before I got there, so I bought it digitally and, and read it. He draws a great Joker. Yeah, I mean there is, I mean there's a little Brian Boland in his work. Yes. right? I'm not yeah. crazy. Yeah, right. A little like Brian Boland, but a little like kind of more classic superhero-y mixed in with it, that. It's kind of like know? Brian Bol- It's like Brian Boland and Neil Adams, you know? Yeah, like just a touch of like if Brian Boland was more like, draw this like superhero, you know, like yeah. like a little more touch of that to it. But yeah. the, the, the art's great to it and the story I'm just kind of like, I mean, it's cool that there's a shark, a Joker, Jokerized shark. There is a Joker shark. That was awesome. Which is cool. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> I'll admit that's cool. <laughs> that was that that was one of my Even, favorite parts. Whenever that 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 shark just kind of comes up to the glass, and you're like, "That's yeah, kind of like, fucking uh, awesome." Uh, that was pretty cool. Even Tom's cynicism is defeated by a, a Joker shark. Yeah, I mean, more of that, please. I would have taken more if you would have given me a whole issue of that, you know, as opposed to like that. Yeah, I just want to see jo- Joker fish. Yeah, that was. I can't uh, believe Jason Todd killed the Joker, and I'm like. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, that's Jason what Jason Todd does. Lots of people. Yeah, he's a mass murderer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't understand why I'm supposed to be it's like, oh my god, he killed the Joker. It's like, yeah, okay. Well, well it's also Barbara a weird thing upset. too. Now, like the idea that it's a sh- supposed to be shocking that characters in the DC universe kill people. Like you see it, 
like Batman killing people in movies and like yeah. Harley Quinn murdering people mercilessly and violently in a cartoon as she says cunt a hundred times. Like you like But that's awesome. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's that, but it's not shocking anymore to see no. you know, a character Jason Todd kill someone in a comic book. Like there's no Well, it's know, black label too. I mean they warn you. Yeah, I guess so. So these are, are these, now here's a question. Here's the, they'll push up my glasses. Um, is this canon? Oh, I don't know. Because I, I don't know nothing's the, canon, right? Nothing, it doesn't matter. Canon. Yeah. I think that's kind of the point of this is that there, you know, nothing is real anymore. Well, here's uh, my question with the black label is like, is that, is it, what is black, what is black label at this I point? I think it's, the, this, my take on it is that with Vertigo gone, and with a lot of their creators wanting to tell kind of more you know, darker, more mature stories, it's th- their offshoot label where they can do more mature content. I just wish they, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a book black label like this, and you're gonna put put the the logo on it, like I don't care how mature it is, I just want the big magazine format because mm. I love the big, you know the the. The big, mm-hmm. you know, format books. Boy, the, how do you like that Hellraiser? I thought it was awesome. or Hellblazer. <laughs> I thought it Sorry. was the best Derek Robertson art that I've ever seen. It's awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, it was terrific. Uh, and but I love this format. I I I mm-hmm. I'm I bought like all of these. The question ones I bought. The the Wonder Woman ones terrific. Uh, the Hellblazer's really good, and, but I love. It's like I wish the Joker was in this format. I wish, I really wish Strange Adventures was in this format. Um, you know, because I just I I think this all comics should be in this format now. <laughs> we should change all <laughs> comics to this I, format. I don't I don't feel bad paying the cover price on those. Because yeah. I feel like I'm getting something, you know, what are they? They're, you know, like seven bucks or whatever are they that for much? the, whatever yeah, you want to call it, prestige format or, or whatever. Um, but I feel like I'm actually getting something that I don't mind. You know, these will go on a bookshelf. Yeah, I really like them. I really, but yeah. the, the Joker one wasn't. It was just the standard format, which. Yeah. I don't understand, and it's, I don't understand the, the black label labeling. Of uh, the the like trade dress inside, yeah, because the three jokers was smaller. Where yeah, some is is the is the Adam Strange stuff is that that's standard comic book size, and, but black label, but black label, yeah. Hmm. And initially, when they solicited it, it wasn't black label, but then they changed it to black label. I don't know. I, I think it's just a, is it just a mature? It's just their mature line. Yeah. I, I, I guess I don't know. It's whatever. their PG thirteen labeling, I yeah. guess. You know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I I like the imprint. Pretty much everything I've read from it, I've enjoyed so far. What did you think and of this book? Of which one? Of the three Jokers. You haven't really. Um. It. It was a Jeff Johns. It, it's one of my least favorite black label books because I enjoy Jeff Johns whenever he is kind of playing in the more lighthearted nostalgia sandbox, you know, like JSA, that kind of stuff, where it's kind of a celebration of the comics that that he grew up with and and it kind of re you know reinvigorates them. I've never been a fan of the Jeff Johns 
where he's trying to be gritty. And this is this is gritty Jeff Johns, which they're he's a great writer, but there are people that do it better than he does. I I, I tend to agree with you guys that this uh, the most enjoyable part of this was the art for me. Yeah. So it's 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 an I, interesting. It's not it's I mean, not, it's not it. the type of John story that I like to read of of his. No, um, I think I'll keep I think, getting it, but. I think I'll John's see. is best when he like Stargirl is like a perfect, yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. create something new that is steeped in the mythology that you love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Stargirl is a perfect example of that. Like, it's a new character, but it's so it's very tied to the history of Starman and and those characters and and the JSA and everything. And it's like, but that works really well. Like it's it's fresh and new and, and something different. I love the TV show, and. Yeah. Uh, he does bright and hopeful very well. Yeah, we don't really need dark and gritty Jeff. There's, give it to Brian Azzarello if you want you know, <laughs> dark and gritty. As, <laughs> Azzarello would be a, a great writer to do a three Jokers story because yeah. he, he would he would take it to a, a a bizarre level of of um you know almost where it's you know masochistic that uh, he he would do it like Azzarello does you know it's uh there there are enough writers out there that do dark and gritty so i i like john's whenever he's a little bit more cheery and hopeful i guess i could agree i can agree yep yeah all right i, like, I still need to finish up star girl did it did it wrap up well yeah i thought so i thought i'm i'm i've got the tail ends of several series that i'm trying to catch up on but i did watch the first four episodes of the of the boys season two have you guys uh, seen it yet? Not started season two yet. I, I've watched three of the four episodes. I haven't. I haven't watched the fourth one. Oh no! I watched I the fourth watched one two. today. Two of the. It's yeah. It's great. It's such a such a just bizarre, weird show. It's it's not in the Doom Patrol way, but it's yeah. It's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the dude that plays Homelander is so good. Like he, he is, makes that show. He yeah, is that show. He really carries that show. Her, him, and I think the girl that plays Starlight is very good. Mm-hmm. And Huey is really good. Uh, and Carl Urban is good in everything. Carl Urban's good, but he's just sort of like, yeah, you know, Carl Urban. Like he's just that, you know, kind of. I mean, he does. He's he's doing the character well, but it's mm-hmm. just sort of like you know. It's not a big stretch. The other, the the guy I think who's terrific has been, um, well, the guy who plays Mother's Milk, uh, I think is really good, uh, and and Frenchie, though you know the 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 rest of the cast is like excellent, but mm-hmm. that the the dude who plays Homelander is so good, and and just I mean he's despicable. Such, he is horrible and just a a <laughs> psychopath. Like he plays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that just unstable. It, the thing I like about the show so much is that it really gives you a sense of how terrifying it would be if Superman existed. Like the it, being in the presence of a of a character like that, if someone really existed that was that powerful, how unimaginable, you know, terrifying that would be to be in the presence mm-hmm. of someone with that kind of power. And well, how, you see, ev- every character in that in that series walks around him on such eggshells except for the new character but storm uh stormfront 
yeah, for now, but yeah, it's who knows every every other character is just absolutely on eggshells because they know that if they say the wrong thing, he'll just kill them. Yeah. He's a lunatic. Yeah, it's yeah, he's great. He's great because if if that character isn't so despicable and hateable, the show doesn't work. You know, like if you're like, hey, he's not, and bad. he it's like he's a bad guy. Well, he, he walks this line of being so incredibly punchable, but also fucking frightening as hell. It's like you look at him and you're just like, I want to hit this guy, but he's also creepy scary. But he also does a great job of being Superman. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. also like, he turns into like this charming, heroic looking guy and he can just, in front of a camera, he just, <laughs> the, the guy has nailed it. That actor has absolutely nailed that role. Have you have you seen the the scene where they're where they're trying out new people for the seven and there's the the blind it's Daredevil basically oh yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> such a such a Homelander scene so I won't won't spoil it for you Tom but yeah it's 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 enjoyable I, I look and forward I, to it. it's uh, every Friday now I like the um, I like the changes they've made too like I like that you know the 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 boys don't have powers. They haven't taken Compound V. Uh, that makes it much more dangerous for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, like, I like that they make fun that they still call him Wee Huey, and he's like, "I'm six foot tall." <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Why do you keep calling Where's me the tallest that? one here? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and yeah, the, so some of the changes that they've made, and like Stormfront. You know, when they introduced her, and, and I don't want to spoil anything, you know, for Tom or anyone else, but it was just sort of like, oh, that's not the Stormfront from the comic. And then they kind of give you a bait and switch a little bit on her. So it was like, oh, that was that was interesting. So I thought they've done some really smart decisions. They've made some really mm-hmm. good decisions on, on making differences in the from the comic to the to the show to, to make it better. But yeah, I, yeah. I really like it. I think it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Well, uh, how about a uh, a Derek Robertson property to a Derek Robertson comic? You uh, you already showed the uh, the new Hellblazer from uh, from the DC Black Label. Um, was it uh, uh, Rise and Fall? The Rise and Fall, uh, yeah, it's Rise and Fall. I guess it's Rise and Fall of John Constantine. But um, yeah, it's book one. Uh, it's it's kind of a. Uh, I mean, it's in some ways it's a very typical. Constantine Hellblazer story, you know, it's not like they're really going real far away from the character, and it's a bit of an origin story, mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, I mean, it's, it's nice just, to see him back in a comic where he can curse and smoke. Yeah, he just can be John Constantine. That's the nice thing about being yeah. in the Black Label. Like he's he's in his own sort of world. He's not he's not dealing with you know superhero stuff. This is just straight magic and 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 dark shit uh mm-hmm. that he has kind of gotten himself into um and like a lot of times it's it's kind of a, a it appears to be kind of of his own making this one yeah i mean well that's the thing with john like he's you know he's such an interesting character because he he wants to be a better person than he is i think as part of his charm like he 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 wants to be good, but he's just kind of not. He's, you know, he's flawed. He's a very flawed person. And the more he tries to, to sort of be... He, 
he's a bad person trying to do the right thing. Well, I don't know if he's necessarily a bad yeah. person. I, you know, a damned mean? person, a damned person yeah, trying to do the right thing. But um, he can't ever seem to not put people around him in harm's way. I mean, that's sort of his curse is like anyone that gets close to him. And that's really what makes him a bad person is that he can't, he knows that. And yet he still needs people in his life. Like he, how has Chaz survived all these years? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I, that's, you know, it's, that's one of the comic book tropes. It's like Chaz is is always going to be there. Like everyone else has died, but Chaz, Chaz survived somehow. Yeah. Yeah. The lorry drivers is (laughs) prevails. But, uh, yeah, so this, you know, this is once again, like this, this story starts off with his childhood and mistakes he made as a young man who was rebellious and kind of a brat and just doing shit because he was told not to do it. And that was mostly like magic and smoking and, you know, and gets his friends in, in trouble. And now it's coming around, you know, he's, he's a grown man now and it's coming around to, uh, to bite him in the ass and, uh. Um, I, you know, like I said, I don't want to spoil it for, for people, but I, I really enjoyed it. I, it, to me, it's just like, oh, this is just a it's Hellblazer. Yeah. It's just a good Hellblazer story. Like, and, and I, I like, I like Hellblazer like this, where it's not particularly complicated, where it's not a super, um, you know, uh, uh, obtuse kind of thing. Cause I think a lot of times writers can get. Like they they think of like magic and the occult, and then it has to turn into something really unwieldy and and bizarre. And it's like no, that's kind of what that's the cool thing about John. He's a blue collar magician, you know. He's a blue collar occultist, and that's he, he cuts through the bullshit. He you know what I mean? Like he he is the you know the 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 drinking smoking wizard. He's not. Gandalf the Grey. He's not, you know, that kind of a Harry Potter. He's, he's not Doctor Strange. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah. He's, you know, he's just the bloke from the pub, and he just happens to fuck with magic really hard, and it fucks with him back, and and he's the guy that goes, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after the things that go bump in the night, and I'm gonna fuck them up, and and it usually costs him dearly, but he does it anyway, and. That's what this is about. I mean, this is this is a straight, you know, this is a straightforward John Constantine Hellblazer book, and I, but it's really good. And like I said, I I think it's some of Derek Robertson's best art. Like, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's really gorgeous. I mean, it, I think it has kind of a Brian Boland mm-hmm. feel to it to some degree. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I really liked it. it. It's it's you know, it's scary and creepy. And dark, uh, but you know, it's just a it's well, just you know, a good kind of to build on what you were saying. That's it, it always seems like Hellblazer has a sweet spot, and it's it's it seems to be when it's it's not trying to be like you said, too obtuse or too you know, save the world, you know, from imminent destruction. But then there's also on the other side, it sometimes can be a little monster of the week, and it's like, how do you find that that sweet spot where it's a, a cool, interesting story that doesn't feel like a throwaway, but doesn't feel too too I don't, heavy? I don't think yeah. I don't think Constantine works that well in an ongoing series. I, I think when you're mm-hmm. trying to write that character in, in sixty issues, 
it's just too much. I think he works better in small spurts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just pick a story. So maybe to... maybe some like three issue black label or four issue black label um, stories is is a good place for for that character to kind of exist. Yeah, I, I I'll buy them all. Yep. <laughs> but cool. yeah, it was it was it was very good. I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, and lovely, a beautiful spot varnish on the cover of like mm. yeah you, mm-hmm. you can appreciate that i don't know if you can see the spot varnish spot varnish but it's like it's oh, only yeah. on him and the wings <laughs> the wall. oh yeah <laughs> like, daddy likey for you, daddy print, for you paper nerds out there <laughs> paper talk we got some paper talk so i'm I mean, not gonna do like, it tom don't bait me Talking about paper. <laughs> I do want to show, like, there's this, there's this, you know, like, in this format, you can do some really awesome, you know, double-page spreads mm-hmm. <laughs> that are just kind of ridiculously huge and and impressive. It just, I don't know, the, the format of this, just the little extra space that this gives you is just, it, it just makes the art so much better. It just makes everything feel luxurious. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, also, you feel I love, like you're reading something. They went to a pub and it's called the Dylan. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, it was kind of a, a little nod. Very cool. Um, I read. I've read a lot of stuff. So, it. Do you guys have anything else that you wanted to dive into? Uh, Tom. No, I. I have one thing, but it, it's. Okay. Uh, I. I was uh, recently reading. I'll. I'll keep this quick. Uh, in the world of um, nonfiction, I've been reading this book called uh, Guantanamo Voices. That's like a graphic. It's called uh, Guantanamo Voices, True Accounts from the World's Most Infamous Prison. And it's like an anthology um, of different artists illustrating like different interviews uh, with people who worked at Guantanamo or were involved uh, with the creation of it. Um, and it's super interesting. It's great. Much like the Tiananmen book, it's like a really digestible way of sort of contextualizing something from history. But I won't go, I won't go too deep into it, but I'm about <laughs> halfway through it. It's a pretty interesting book. Cool. Quanta. I think I saw that. Was that on Hoopla? Yes. Yeah, I thought I saw it on there. I, 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 I might have added it to my wish list or yeah i'm like halfway through and it's it's just really it's interesting because you know we're so old now i'm so old now that i'm like oh yeah i remember 9-11 was like almost 20 years ago and uh-huh. like it's sort of like, the 20th anniversary and they're sort of taught you know the um person that edited it you know it was a reporter that went there to visit recently and was like struck by how some of the guards probably weren't born when <laughs> when it happened. Oh, wow. You know, like there's like 18 year old mm. army, you know, uh, you know, army mm-hmm. soldiers like guarding it. And it's like, that's how long this has been going on. And it's sort of like interesting way of, you know, thinking about this thing that is still, still exists. And it's a, a murky legal thing. And it's a murky moral thing. And it's just kind of like, continuing on in its murkiness forever and we'll and like just like until that, everyone I, dies until they, the last 40 people die 
Yeah. Like, so it's like this strange, uh, you know, like there's a lot of interesting interviews with different people, right? Like interviews with um, people in the armed forces that work there. Someone who was uh, like a, a professional interrogator, you know, who disagreed with the methods they were using there and was there when it was set up and was trying to um, point them in a different direction. So it's just like, it's a really interesting thing because when you first pick it up, you're like, oh, I think I'm going to hear all this stuff from, you know, like, who are we going to hear from? And it's like, no, you're actually hearing stories from people that were there from all kinds of different, like, angles at it. So it's like a really, uh, it's really interesting. Well, that sounds interesting because it's like, I think it would be really easy to sort of, you know, take a perspective on it of like, this is bad and evil and wrong. And that's the only angle on it. But like you said, it's it's very murky. It's a very like strange mm-hmm. and morally odd and gray. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know enough about it to really Yeah, I mean I think definitely it has a point of view of like this is a bad thing. But I think like the it doesn't pound you over the head with it the way it goes about telling the stories, it just talks to people that were there. And sort of lays it out of like this is what it is. You you make up your own. Yeah, of like you know, you know, at the introduction to it, they're like, hey, you know, when the government talks about this place, they don't like calling them prisoners, and they don't like calling it prison because those are legally defined things. They say detainees, but you know the. They've dictionary been for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> the dictionary it's definition. Loophole, of man. <laughs> yeah. the, you know, if you look up what the definition of a prison is, you know, this is a prison, you know, so it goes in a lot of that, like, yeah. And also us, non-American soil. Us diluting, you know, like part of it is people diluting themselves into what it is, you know, what, what is it? Like it's, you know, the sort of, uh, double speak of of like legal you know legally they're detainees or they're uh, uh, you know like enemy combatants or like these creations of all these terms that like didn't exist temporary before. guests yeah or it's like but so, is it necessary yeah but it's also like the a lot of what the stories go into though too is like um, mistakes people made that we now realize you know or like in hindsight. Like, oh, like a lot of these people, you know, the first story deals a lot with like the guy who was a professional interrogator and he worked for the government and he was like, you know, the way you get information from people is like you don't torture them. You just talk to them forever and you keep them and you talk to them and you feed them and eventually they'll tell you something, you know, like as long as you keep them talking, eventually you'll find something out. Right. Like, uh tortured you know he's like waterboarding doesn't really waterboarding work and it doesn't, doesn't really give operate. you the best information yeah and it's like the way you get info from someone is you literally feed them and you keep talking to them and you like develop a relationship until they tell you stuff and it happens it might take a long time but like in his experience he's like it always works that way but you know we had the people in church had a different idea of what's going on and in hindsight you look at it and go oh like the the approach was wrong or like you know they talk a lot about a lot of the first detainees there uh they referred to as dirt farmers they were just people that other people turned in like they didn't know anything you know it was just like it was like just somebody who at some point had been maybe involved with the taliban but they had no info 
like they had no means of doing anything. Mm-hmm. They l- were just people in Afghanistan, you know? So like they brought him over, like we're going to get info from these guys. And this guy like is going through the list of them. And he's like, I don't know who any of these people are. None of these people are important. Like, why are we, t- why are, we why are they about? here? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, the, and then it's like, Oh, we can't let him go because then they'll for sure become terrorists. And it's just like a lot of like the benefit of hindsight, but also just like, looking back at it with sort of like a clarity of like, Oh yeah. Like that, that was the wrong way to handle this specific thing. It was, it was, it's an interesting book. And I think like it, uh, it, uh, it was pretty eye opening to read different people's accounts of like being there and like what it's like and what it means. And like that murkiness of like our, you know, we're just going to continue. We're never going to, you know, like there's 40 people still there. Right. And there's no plan to do anything with them other than just let them stay there until they die of old age. You know? So it's, it's like this very, like, we're did, just going uh, like, to keep either doing you... it. Right. And it's like live in this gray area. And it's a very, I think uh, a pretty interesting way of looking at a lot of, America, uh, how America views the world in the last 20 years. And that sort of murky, like, not always thinking clearly uh, type of way. Did either of you watch the show uh, Counterpoint? I have not. It's really good. It's on, uh, I think it's on Amazon um, now, or it it may have been originally, but it's J.K. Woodward, or no, J.K. Simmons. The mm-hmm. actor J.K. Simmons, the um, and it's a really interesting Cold War type of sci-fi show where basically at some and it's ambiguous in in like when it is. It seems like it's sort of the near future, and it's in Berlin. Interestingly enough, and there's this company, and basically at some point they were working on some sort of experiment. And they essentially created a alternate reality of Earth. So there's this duplicate Earth, and they've known that it's existed for a long time, and they've interacted with her, but it, with this other Earth, and the other Earth has diverged. So there's like you you would have you know a duplicate, a counterpoint on the other Earth. But his life may have diverged from yours, so you could be completely different people. And that's kind of what the story is about. But there's this one scene where... What's the name of this? It's called Counterpoint. It's it's okay. excellent. It's only like two seasons, I think. Um, and it's But it's really, really good. It, 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 you'll love it, Chris. I mean, it's all... Right, cool. you, you got me with J.K. Simmons yeah. and, <laughs> and Alternate Universe. I, it's so yeah, good. It, it's, in. But there's this scene where... So there's this this corridor where they... You know, basically, it's where they come and go th- from the different universes. And it's just like a hallway. It's like this underground hallway. And at one point, like a spy from the one universe is kind of caught and he goes and he gets shot and he's running through the, trying to get back through the hallway. And he basically dies or he falls down and he can't go any further. And he's basically like on the dividing line. And so both groups won't do anything. Like they can't. Like the 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 group that he's from 
won't acknowledge that he's working, so yeah. they won't he's save. He's in the DMZ. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. and he just dies there, and they just leave his body <laughs> to <laughs> rot because neither of them will acknowledge mm-hmm. that there's this Cold War thing going on, and, and that's what it kind of rem- like. Guantanamo Bay is just like it's this. It's become such a murky thing where they they can't they can't do anything about it because if you do you now indict yourself you know what i mean yeah. like people it's just like this yeah it's like you know what i mean like it's like why why didn't obama shut down guantanamo well because if he well, did could. he basically would have condemned the united states in the in the in the entire you know international world because they're in this weird gray zone you know legally if he would have you know closed it down and released everyone or moved everyone that was there into a different print he would have had to acknowledge what it is and and so he can't so he's so that's why it's just there it's and it's not gonna go away it's never gonna go away because if you do you're acknowledging it. You can't acknowledge it, and you know what I mean. And 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 that's there. It's just stuck in this limbo, mm-hmm. which is such a bizarre thing. But yeah, the the the, the that's what that show reminded me of. That yeah. or that scene from the show. The show's fantastic, though. If you've never seen it, Chris, you will absolutely love it. It's it's only two seasons. It it's sounds complete, like it's right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, you'll you'll because it's it's all Cold War era spy <laughs> stuff but like in a sci-fi like a, a near future sci-fi so they scene. made it just for me is what you're saying oh it's yeah you'll you'll <laughs> love it you'll absolutely love it nice yeah i'm gonna have to watch this i don't know why you it never guys, really got it, did you pick it, this up oh go ahead it's the new it's lock and key um uh, in pale battalion in, in in pale battalions go lock and key it's um it's a new uh, miniseries from Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez and Jay Fotos, the uh, same creative team that that brought us the original Lock and Key, and they've been doing a few one shots you know, here and there. Um, they'll they'll throw out uh, something in the Lock and Key universe. Well, this is a uh, a new new series. Uh, I'm assuming just a just a miniseries, uh, but goes back to. Um, uh, World War One, so it takes place around 19, 1914, 1915, and uh, the Locke family at that time, uh, the the uh, the son of of this family, John Locke, uh, wants to, and he's young. He's he's too young. He's like ten years old. Uh, wants to uh, sign up to uh, be in the in World War One. Um, and and go and fight Germans and use the the keys and his uh, mom and dad obviously don't want to allow that and he uh, he finds a way through one of the keys to make himself older and to steal the keys that as we kind of find out in this that the keys were designed to be used in war and so they kind of want that it's they almost have a, a sentience to them where they are drawn to conflict and war and he uh, makes his way to um, to the front in uh, in Europe so it's a it's a neat world war 1 lock and key story and uh yeah same same creative group that that did the the first the first series so it was nice to kind of jump back into the lock and key 
world, which which I love that original series. Is it is it a standalone thing? You don't have to. I I I like Lock and Key, but like I haven't. I still haven't caught up on it. Like I haven't read all of the. Do you understand that there's a house? And there's keys. And there are keys. <laughs> and there are people and that key, want keys, the keys, for different and, reasons. And each key has its own weird yeah. power. Yeah, I get You're that. You're good. You're okay. good. Yep. Yep. And this family, the Locke family, has kind of been the um, the guardians of of Key House. Right, for, right. For, you know, for forever. Um, so, yeah, if, if you understand that, yeah, you can you can jump into this. Okay, because I almost picked yep. it up, and I'm like, well, I haven't read the, I haven't finished the fifth series or whatever, fifth volume or sixth volume. I don't know how many there are. There's I, a bunch of them. Five, five or six. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that series when it was coming out. But, yeah, it can be, I mean, it's it's a Joe Hill series. You know, it has that that definitely, like, King family feel to it. Kind of, you know, the, the, the epic you know, horror-ish story. And, uh, but yeah, you can, you, d- you don't have to have read all of Lock and Key to jump into this. Okay. Yeah. I like, I like your pretty... hat. Hmm? I like your hat. Um, you know what? I, I, I was waiting for you to say something. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm on board, man. On the bandwagon. bandwagon drove by the house. Plenty of room. Plenty of room on the bandwagon, my friend. <laughs> I, you guys, I, you guys I, guys like I, this? Yeah. You got you remember you know what this is from? That's the uh uh Clement is that the Clementi? No, that's Joe Kelly. He's the hero that we all need. He's the hero that we didn't know that we that we all needed. He's um he he's a pitcher for the for the Dodgers. He's the guy that uh was throwing at all of the Astros players oh. <laughs> and got thrown out. And whenever like Carlos Correa was giving him shit, he turned around and stuck his lip out like, oh, sorry, baby. So yeah, this is this is my this is my Joe Kelly appreciation shirt. Lovely. Mm-hmm. He's the hero we didn't know we needed. I mean, not to divert from comics, but I think this is the best baseball team I've ever personally rooted for. In my like, I don't, I don't know better that, than 05? Well, they don't have the same. They don't have as good a rotation, but they I, don't have the pitching that 05. They don't have the pitching, but offensively, it's not even close. And defensively, I don't know that it's close. Yeah. To be honest, I, I've never seen a lineup this good ever. In I mean, just like day in and day out, I, I they're unbelievable. They hit it. Gee, they hit I the mean, ball, they're man. just relentless. They are a relentless yeah. team, and uh, young. And, yeah, and very young, and they don't even have like all their guys firing on all cylinders. I mean, Abreu is out of his fucking mind, and Tim Anderson's amazing, and but I mean, yeah, you, you, I mean, they're. Uh, they're unreal. I've never had more fun watching baseball in my life. Yeah, as just and the kid that uh, they had what, what, rookie pitch his first game today. Yes, yeah, uh, Stever. Yeah, he was good. He yeah. looked good. He was a little yeah. shaky to start, but he 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 calmed down. And and, and this is from a from a, a, a Chicago baseball perspective. I feel so happy for Rick Renneria. That he that that they that they trust him and he's going to be the guy that they're going to stick with because the Cubs brought him in to be and that guy. He was he was the guy to teach those young Cubs as they were coming up. And then as soon as John Mad not John, uh, as soon as um, uh, 
uh, Madden, not John Madden. Um, Joe. Joe Madden. Joe. As soon as Joe Madden uh, w- was a free agent or could get out of his contract from the Rays, the Cubs just kind of like threw Renneria out with the trash, which I thought was really shitty. So, yeah, I, I hope I hope he wins multiple World Series with the White Sox. <laughs> it would be awesome. Well, he's going to have a chance because, I mean, that, that team is, is locked in yeah. for like the next eight years. And super talented and very young, and yep. uh, yeah, yep. they're pitching, they're, pitching baby. They get the pitchers. They're all they right. need a little more pitching. They but they hit the ball so fucking well. I mean, it's it's and I mean yeah. the funny thing is, is like a guy like, I mean that's almost lost on the team. You know, the guy hitting ninth is Nicky. You know, little Nicky Madrigal, who is mm. a hell of a second baseman, and he's like the number three overall pick a couple years. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's it's gonna like, be a stud. He, and he's a great contact hitter and, and, and a smart – but it's like in that lineup, he's just like, you're hitting ninth, sorry. We we, you know, we have two catchers that can hit, you know, yeah. ahead of you. He's the, he's the young guy. Uh, so, Tom, something for you. I was I listened to the, um, the best podcast in baseball, which is the St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball podcast. It's a very tongue-in-cheek – nod to the ridiculous best fans in baseball (laughs) moniker and so they they it's very tongue-in-cheek so they call it the best podcast in baseball um they had uh the mlb brewers beat writer on this past week Mm -hmm. and so it was really more brewers talk than it was cardinals talk and uh this is the guy that just wrote the brewers 50 years in baseball Mm -hmm commemorative like coffee table book yeah which it sounds sounds like it's beautiful i mean the yeah. the historic photos and and all of that but did you ever hear the story of why the brewers colors were blue and 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 yellow i'm sure i've heard it at some point and don't so, remember so the and sal you'll this will freak you out so bud selig huge uh, Milwaukee Braves fan. The Braves leave. Selig puts together a possible ownership group and starts pursuing baseball teams. Uh, this was what 1960. W- when did the Braves leave? Like 64, something like that. I was 63. Say 63. Yeah, early 60s. Yeah, it was 65. Because I think the the Braves were there like 50, 53 to 65 or something. So in the in the late 1960s, the White Sox become the pseudo adopted team of Milwaukee. The White Sox actually played 11 games a year at County Stadium here in Milwaukee, which I had never never I knew heard that, that. But yeah. So, so the White Sox become kind of the semi-adopted team in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Bud Selig had a handshake deal with one of the brothers who was. Yeah. Uh, there were two brothers that owned the White Sox. Selig had a handshake deal that they were going to sell the White Sox to Selig and his ownership group, and they were going to move to Milwaukee, and they were going to be the Milwaukee White Sox. And the other brother killed the deal at like the the eleventh hour, and so the White Sox almost almost ended up here. Well, the following year, the um, uh, Seattle Pilots, pilots yeah. go into bankruptcy. This is back when when sports franchises actually became bankrupt, um, and so they went into bankruptcy. Selig and his ownership group puts in a bid. They have to go through the whole bankruptcy court thing that doesn't get settled until a week 
before yep. <laughs> opening day. So there's literally the moving trucks are in Salt Lake City, Utah, where their spring training was, trying yep. to wait and find out whether they're going to go to either uh, Seattle or Milwaukee. They end up getting getting purchased and going to Milwaukee. And, I mean, they didn't have, like, tickets printed. They had no uniforms. Selig was a huge Braves fan, and he wanted, from the beginning, they were going to have the Brewers' uniforms were going to be black and red as an homage to the to the Braves. They didn't have time, and they didn't have uniforms, so they literally ripped off the Pilots' logo off the jerseys and sewed Brewers onto the front of it went threw them out there to play and that's why they were blue and yellow <laughs> it's yeah. a crazy story but in it but ch- check out that podcast it kind of goes through a bunch of the the early the early brewers history I mean, it's, about it's the, fun. the pilots went bankrupt after one year yes <laughs> yes they existed for one year yeah wow. i mean can you imagine an expansion team you know, it's like, oh yeah, uh, Portland is going to get a baseball team, and then they go mm-hmm. bankrupt the next year. Well, it would have been like this year. <laughs> yeah. It's like this year where their expansion expansion year, and it's like, well, sorry, we're fuck now, yeah. <laughs> sorry, pandemic. I was, yeah. I've, so I've been I've been having fun watching the White Sox, but I've also been having fun like uh, paying attention to to Twitter during the games. Like, there's mm-hmm. you can kind of just click on the White Sox game on Twitter and then it'll it'll give you a feed of White Sox tweets. Mm. And it's pretty fun. It's been a lot of fun to, to read it. But they were playing the Brewers and there was this this one lady, she's like, oh my God, I've been a Brewers fan for 30 years and I just realized that the logo is an M and a B. <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Someone's <laughs> always discovering that for the first time. And then, like, yeah. That's awesome though. Like, you know. Yeah, they like, just brought oh. it back this year. The M and the M and the B, and it's a glove. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a great logo, man. It's it awesome. is a great logo. Yeah. Oh, I just lost my my mouse. Died Designed by a mouse University died. of Wisconsin Eau Claire student. Oh, really? Yeah, that's cool. I hope they paid them well. Nah. They did not. No, nah, they did not. <laughs> this is a, yeah. There's no way that they person got millions paid. of dollars off that logo now. Yeah. Well, they're still using. They brought it back, Tom. Yeah. For the for the fiftieth, so they Definitely brought back the back. MB. They um, uh, changed the colors, so they went away from like the 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 baby blue. So they're sticking with the navy and yeah. and uh, and kind of golden yellow. So it's uh, a merger of uh, the different eras of brewers. The 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 classic M and B never truly went away. It never did. It never and like it's always going to be Miller Park. So I don't know if you knew that, Sal, but uh, uh, Miller lost the naming rights to the ballpark. Yeah, now it's like American Family no, Insurance, well, that's, Ameri- no. American Family Field. Whatever. It's Miller yeah. Park. Yeah, yeah, fuck off. Get out of here with your family. <laughs> I don't even know what they call the White Sox Park now. It's is it still guaranteed rate? Oh uh, yeah, that's rate. what it is. It's guaranteed rate field. It's like no, it's Comiskey. No, it's Comiskey. It's, <laughs> I just call it Sox Park. Sox Park. Uh, did you guys? Did you guys read this, or have you seen this uh, Inkblot? I've seen it. It looked very interesting. I did not read it yet, but I did see um, it. Uh, f- before getting into who uh, who the creators are, um, I enjoyed it. It's a really um, fun fantasy story. It's about a, um, 
uh, a sip, uh, a group of siblings who kind of rule this multi-dimensional realm, kind of like this magical, you know, fantasy type realm. And each sibling kind of has their domain or their job. And this one focuses on kind of the, the nerdy library sibling, you know, that, uh, uh, you could guess is the, you know, kind of the, the real sheepish one, the, the bookish, the bookish sister out of the group. Um, how and cliche. she um, accidentally, uh, or is is there when this uh, cat gets conjured in her library, and the the cat is is like this mischievous magical creature that she's trying to to wrangle and and get put back where it needs to go, and adventure and hilarity ensue. So it's it's a it Sounds is a cute. fun. Huh? Sounds cute. It's cute. It, it is. It is. It's adorable. It's. It's. <laughs> yeah. It's. It's. It's ridiculously cute and fun. Just kind of crazy. If you like the Princess Bride, it kind of has that vibe to it of just like fun fantasy um, story. Uh, it is. It's written. I, I say written. It's um, uh, scripted by. Uh, Rusty Glad, and it's drawn by Emma Kubert, who is Andy Kubert's daughter, who's Joe Kubert's granddaughter. No, oh. so uh, so it's uh, we've got another Kubert on our on our hands. But um, in reading the backup material on the this, what's rabbits. interesting is that they uh, they did the whole book Marvel style. So it was plot, uh, art, and then uh, scripting. Hmm. It's so it's a, it's kind of an old school throwback to, to how they used to do them, but uh, yeah, and it's and it's pretty. She's, I mean, it runs in the family. I mean, she's really nice work. Well, yeah, you better be good if you're yeah. gonna <laughs> start drawing comics with that name. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, like I'm the bad one. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah black you, sure you don't want to go with the pen name. <laughs> Yeah, that you put suck. that name on a comic book. It better, it better look good. Which, where are her dad and uncle at? I haven't. Are the are the Kuberts Kuberts doing anything? It is it Kubert well, or Kubert? Kubert. Kubert. It's it's It is Kubert, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Kubert that they okay. they've said that it's Kubert, okay. not Kubert. Um, Kubert. Uh, I thought one of them was drawn Superman with Bendis, wasn't? Are they okay? I thought for a while. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I lost track of my Kuberts. You lost. Now you there's lost another one. Now there's another one. I gotta mm-hmm. try and keep track of these. Yeah. Was that? What, didn't think... we meet her at, at like New York Comic Con? Didn't we? Probably she would have been like twelve. Oh no! Then it wasn't Kubert. It was some. It was some other. Oh, it was Busema's granddaughter. It was like yes. Sal Busema's granddaughter. She came to say hi to Carmine. Mm-hmm. I think, and I was like, "Wow, she looks she looks like a Sal Buscema girl, like like a drawing <laughs> of because she had bangs, you know, she had like the Gwen Stacy haircut bangs and lo- and and I'm like, she looks like one of his drawings. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I think was she's it, done some editing or writing. She was yeah, she was in the industry. I yeah, mm-hmm. I, I remember that. That was yeah, that was. Pfft. 
It was a long time ago, and that was just a wild weekend. Where's that was those, a wild, wild weekend. Where's all those fucking slacker Kirby's? You know, they're making <laughs> shit tons of money off of his name. Not one of them's a fucking artist. Come on, how about you give back a little bit, Kirby? None of you got any of his talent? He used it all up, man. Yeah. Burn it up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, I've been I've been reading those. I, I did read that last... Uh, 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 the last Wonder Woman was it Dead Earth? Yeah, I really like that series. Yeah, did did you read the last the third issue, uh, the, the Superman f- one? Yes, that's not the last. That one, got though. fucking dark. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was dark. A, yeah, it's a two. The spoilers, like the last couple pages, uh, she takes the the corpse of Superman, who it you find out that she killed him, and she takes her her lasso of truth and runs it through his 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 vertebrae and ties it to his to his skull and turns it into a fucking Superman bone mace. Damn! It's I'm just like shit. Just got real. The, <laughs> it's the fourth, crazy. The fourth issue just came out. Oh, did it? Yeah. Okay, I've got to. I'll go try and track it down. But that third issue is spectacular. Yeah, it's it's really good. The whole series is really good. He's he's yeah. uh, what's his name? Andrew Warren or whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, I have it. Daniel here. Warren Johnson. Yeah. That's probably my. This is probably my favorite Wonder Woman book I've ever read. Not that I've read a lot, but yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's it's. I like her in like a Mad Max post-apocalyptic world see i didn't think that you would like it because you're not a big like post-apocalyptic fan it's it feels yeah i I love you think that if it's i love good post-apocalyptic not shitty 70s movie pop post-apocalyptic they didn't make any shitty (laughs) post-apocalyptic movies in the 70s they're all fucking awesome no they're not yes they are (laughs) i will fight you Okay. <laughs> I will be happy to fight you over that. I know. <laughs> I love post-apocalyptic. I, I'm a sucker for, especially comic book. It's my, it's sort of my favorite genre of, of superhero comic book stuff is, is post-apocalyptic because it's not tied to anything and they can just do whatever the hell they, I love all the like old man Logan and, deceased and all this stuff that's not set in the in the normal universe of, of how is the deceased stuff I've, it's good I've kind it's of fun away it's, from it. it's you know it's like this it's it's outlandish it's crazy and wild it's you know it's like the marvel zombies you know it's it's i it's saw a little... it's back what the, it, they marvel zombies is back they're doing new marvel zombies yeah they never stop man it's a money maker Oh, it's it's just kind of been ongoing. Well, I mean, it's they've done. I mean, there's probably a series every year that they do okay. with Marvel Zombies, yeah. But Deceased is their version. It's DC's version of Marvel mm-hmm. Zombies. It's the same same kind of thing. It's I like yeah. Deceased because it's like you know you can tell a story where there's actual consequences, like. People are gonna die. Superheroes are gonna die, and they have to like they're they're facing, you know, the end of the world. You mm-hmm. know, in this story, at least, it is you know it's it's the end of the superheroes. They're all dying. They're you know, and so it it makes for to me the opportunity to tell you know good stories with these characters. Weightier stories, around. huh? 
weightier stories. Yeah, just I mean, it just gives you the chance to at least write something that has a little feel to it, you know, as opposed to like something where you know, like three jokers where it's like, well, what's, you know, at the end of the day, we know you know, it's either not going to matter or it's just going to go back to what it was. With the deceased, it's like it's its own universe, so if somebody dies in it, they're kind of dead or they're going to turn into a zombie. And so it kind of feels, I mean, it's all fiction. It's all, you know, what none you, of it matters. None of it matters. <laughs> it's not Guantanamo Bay. It's not, it's not Guantanamo Bay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what's, what's the name of the Guantanamo Bay book again? Uh, it's called Guantanamo Voices is what I wrote yeah. down. I'm going to look up the proper um, subtitle to it as opposed to just making one up. Guantanamo Voices, True Accounts from the World's Most Infamous Prison. A light read. It's a light light read. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, you know, I love, I love Tom that you're during the, the, the worst (laughs) fucking time in the history, in our history, (laughs) you're, you're not, you're doubling down. You're not, you're not looking for fantasy to take your mind off of things. You're, (laughs) why are things so fucked up? Why did, (laughs) yeah, after this, I'm going to watch Outbreak. All right, boys. Is that it for this week? I, I think, think so. so. That was a good. That was a good collection of things. Yeah, I even wrote it down so I wouldn't forget, so I can get you show notes. Appreciate that. Ooh. Yeah, I usually get to work on Monday morning, and sounds like you got those show notes. I'm just like, oh shit, what did we talk about? Well, what happened? <laughs> All right. Well, um, Sal, if people want to uh, reach the show. They can do so. Uh, they can contact us at info at aroundcomics.com. Well, here, I got a, I, I put a new a little banner. Info at aroundcomics.com, at aroundcomics on Twitter and Instagram, or facebook.com slash aroundcomicspodcast. We also have a Facebook group that you can look for. It's the Around Comics Aces. And uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at aroundcomics.com slash shop. And buy some crap there, some shirts, buy not some crap. swag. It's all good stuff. It's all yeah. Here, Tom yeah. will show you. Oh no, nobody's nobody's wearing the shirt this time. It's not. Right yeah, it's down here. It's down right there down there. Go. There you go. Um, yeah, and I'm interested. I want to know how people digest the show. Whether you're listening to it as the audio podcast or watching the uh, the live stream on Sunday nights, or if uh, if you watch uh, on YouTube or Periscope or whatever, go ahead and uh, um, shoot us a message. Let us know how you uh, how you watch or listen to the show. I'm always interested in that. Uh, once again, Starlight by Mark Miller and Goran Parlov is our book of the monthish. We're probably going to go over that next week. Um, yeah. Anything else? Is it, is that all of our business? Uh, I did have, well, I did have an email. Um, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily show related, but it's from a listener. Is it show worthy? Uh, yeah, probably. Why not? Okay. Well, let's see. So, yeah. so this <laughs> is... <laughs> This was from uh, Daniel Kim. You guys know Daniel Kim. He's he's a longtime listener. Or I'm not I'm not Daniel Kim. Jason Kim. Jason. Uh, okay. Yes. He's a longtime listener, and he's from Hawaii. And so he sent us an email, and he said this was just to make you guys laugh. He said this happened live at a press conference in Honolulu yesterday, and he sent me a link, and I'll share it here in a second. 
So it was a sign language interpreter translates when someone shouts fuck you at the Honolulu mayor, Kirk <laughs> Caldwell. And it's, yeah, just, uh, there you go. <laughs> there you, there you so have he, it. <laughs> he just wanted to send us a little laugh, so. There you go. That that was pretty good. Kind of a attractive sign language, uh, yeah, girl there. Uh, you know, not to, you know, hey, Hawaii. I see you got your copy of uh, Octobriana nineteen seventy six back there. I did well. I see. I went, I went, kind of nuts with the whole Kickstarter thing. And oh, I you got, got crazy. I got that, you? and then I got this, which I already had. I did, but I got another one because that's a good loaner. Yeah, and then I got. Street Angel, and then uh, I got Super Mag, but I haven't nice. had any time to go through all this stuff, so it's just been sitting there on my. Yeah, I I kind of started going down the uh, cartoonist kayfabe rabbit hole a little bit. They those guys will do. I mean, they'll uh, they'll get you buying books. That's the problem. Listen to those dudes, man. They'll, they they they, they they dissect books hard, and they'll get you excited about stuff you didn't even know. I bought fuck. I bought this because of them. It's uh. Did you watch the? We're talking about uh, Ed Pisker and Jim Rugg's cartoonist kayfabe. It's awesome. Did you no. watch the episode on the Marvel Vault? No, it's, not uh, yet. I didn't even know this existed. It, it was it was put together by Roy Thomas and Peter Sanderson, and it's like they call it a museum in a book, and it's this really cool book about the history of Marvel. But then there's all sorts of like interesting things in here like i don't know if you can see but there's like badges and oh you know. is that from the uh from the what the bullpen society yeah. or whatever it was and the mary marvel whatchamacallit so there's like Tom's replicas <laughs> of them bye tom oh tom just decided to go he's had enough yeah so there's all sorts of like tchotchkes in the book oh that's cool uh little howard the duck for president button Oh, wow. And uh, Yeah, it's really neat. I mean, it's a really cool little thing. And they did a second one um, that I haven't picked up, but I have seen it. Or it, actually, they didn't do a second Marvel one, but they did a Spider-Man one, I think. Um, but yeah, they did a whole episode on this, and I was like, I have to have that. I need to buy one of those. <laughs> so I found one on eBay. How much was it? it? Yeah, so. How much was it? Um, I... <sighs> They're not terribly expensive. Okay. I think I think I got it for less than thirty bucks. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, they're, they're not they're not like super rare or, or you know terribly expensive, but it's a cool little thing, man. I mean, it's fun just to flip through, and and see all the little, you know, replica chotskis and and cards and stuff. So pretty neat. <laughs> Tom, Tom says his laptop just died. Oh, so <laughs> he, he said, "Yep, forgot to plug it in." Oh. Well, that that's probably that's probably a a good uh, a good sign to to wrap things up. But uh, yeah, it's good. After a couple weeks off, it's good to see you guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. Always fun. Absolutely, go socks. <laughs> I'm having I'm having so much fun. Yeah, isn't it nice to have something fun? If my Cardinals are are hanging in. They're they're all going to make the playoffs because everybody's going to make the playoffs this yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even like I don't even. It's just like it was. We've been waiting for this team. Like they keep talking about all these prospects, all these prospects. And me personally, as a White Sox fan, like you know, two thousand two thousand five was an awesome year. 
but it was also like nothing. It was unexpected in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. it wasn't like they had built the team from. They didn't from, come in as World Series favorites that year. No, uh, yeah. but also like they put the team together. They, you know, it was a lot of free agents and and it wasn't like a bunch of draft picks. I've never, I've never experienced this where it's like. Wow, here's a class together. Yeah. Yeah. Of draft picks that are homegrown, that have come up together, that are now just like all good. I mean, they're just you know what I mean? It's just like I've I've never I've never experienced so it's just so much fun. And they're just such a likable team. Like they love playing baseball. They you know, they like playing together, at least for now. Hopefully, you know, that will last for a, a few years at least before they, you know, turn into sort of, you know, maniacs or something. But I don't think, I don't think they will, but, <laughs> yeah. um, and, 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 and then like a guy like Jose Abreu, who's having the year of his life. He's the straw that stirs the drink, man. Oh my goodness. Just, it just yep. killing it. And, and Tim Anderson just getting better and better. And, uh, and then Lewis Robert is, I mean, he does stuff. That catch he made, I don't know if you saw that catch, that running, diving. I don't know that I've ever seen a better catch in my life. Like, I, that was to save a game. Yeah. You know, I mean, the 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 the, the Dwayne, Wise, Dwayne Wise, right? Uh, yeah, Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne Wise. I mean, Wise, that was an amazing catch to save a no-hitter. You know, it's a perfect game. Perfect, yep. I was there. The, yeah, I mean, that was an unbelievable catch. But as far as just, like, Pure athleticism. I don't think I've ever seen anyone do something that like Bo Jackson is the only guy that I've seen with that sort of athleticism. It's just like, what the fuck? He's a freak. He's a freak in nature. When that ball was hit, I'm just like, oh, well, there's a there's a double, and then I see him streaking across center field. I'm like, no way, and he makes it. I'm just like. Oh my! I mean, it, it was funny because I'm watching the game with my wife, and she's reading a book. She's not really paying much attention to it, and I'm just like, "Oh my god!" I mean, I'm freaking out <laughs> when he makes the catch. And I'm like, "Holy shit! I can't believe he made that catch!" You know, I'm just like losing my shit, and she's like looking at me like I'm insane. I'm like, "Honey, that's one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life." I've, I, you know, I don't, I can't recall a better catch than that. You know. And, and it's just like, yeah, I, like I said, I've never seen a better lineup day in and day out. Just, I've never, you know, it's like, I'm sure there have been. Like, you you brought up the the Indians, you know. Uh, Early 2000 Indians. Yeah, pretty, teams like ridiculous. that. And, and the Yankees have had, you know, amazing. But 98 like, Yankees. For yeah. me, I've never, the White Sox have never had a lineup like this. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the, I mean like even like Go Go White Sox, the the know, South Side the, Hitmen were good, and and but not like I not mean, one through nine, right? Yeah, I mean it's yeah. just like unbelievable, unbelievable, so much fun. I, so like whatever yeah. happens, happens. Like I don't, I don't even, I don't it's, even care. You're already you... looking forward to spring training next year. Yes, yes, yeah. It's like ooh, I just want to go to a game. So hopefully, you know, by next April. Maybe you can actually go to a game. Yeah. You know, we'll see. Fingers crossed, right? We'll see. You have to come up here to to Milwaukee, and uh, if they if they play here next year, absolutely, which will be fun. So, 
All right. Well, hey, bud. Always fun. Um, uh, we'll be back. We're going to talk about uh, Starlight next week and all sorts of new stuff. It sounds like I need to go track down the fourth issue of Dead Earth so we can talk about that. Is it the end of that series? It is. is. That the last? Yeah. Okay, so it wraps up. All right. Well, I definitely need to, to get it then. All right. Well, we'll be back uh, next Sunday evening to uh, talk about uh, all things uh, in and around comics. In the meantime, we'll be... What? In the meantime, there we go. Sorry, <laughs> in man. The meantime. Yeah, it's a little, little time off. All right, yeah, we'll be everywhere again. Head around comics. Ooh, rusty. <laughs>